Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi and welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. I'm going to continue my interview today with Wayne Ivasich from Taylor Technologies. We're going to go over some of the questions that the group members had posed regarding the Taylor test kits and testing methods. Leslie's Pool Supplies is a proud partner of the Pool Guy Podcast Show. Leslie's Pool Supplies has been do-it-yourselfers and pool trade professionals' trusted partners since 1963, providing quality products and services to make pool care easy and solutions and expertise to do it right. So you want to tell the listeners what you do over at Taylor? Sure. Um, I am the manager for education and technical services here at Taylor Technologies. We're located over in Sparks, Maryland. That's about, oh, about 30-ish miles straight north of downtown Baltimore. Uh, I've been with Taylor since 1991. Uh, Started out here at Taylor in uh, sales for for many, many, many years, almost uh, a little over two decades. And then back in 2014, was asked to create a department that's just focusing on education and dealing with all the technical emails and, and calls that we get at every day here at Taylor. I go around the country. Uh, I teach a lot of seminars at a lot of trade shows. I also uh, present webinars uh, weekly uh, here uh, from Taylor Technologies on a variety of, of different subjects. been doing that for a number of years, too. I'm a CPO. Uh, I'm also a, an instructor for the CPO course, and I'm a member of the PHTA Education Committee. That's the group of us evil people who wrote the exams and the manuals and all the courses uh, for for PHTA, formerly NSPF and APSP, and been doing that since around 2003. Yeah, so let's go into some of the questions that um, I was emailed. I, I told the guys I was going to have a podcast with you, so they sent me their their questions. And the first one here was, I thought was kind of funny, but um, <laughs> this guy here says, um, since you're doing the podcast with Wayne, can you ask him why mm-hmm. I can only purchase the 001 and the 002 in small two ounce bottles? Uh-huh. Is it a federal re- regulation thing? You know, buying this, um, he needs to buy the gallon size because the little right. ones are killing him. Right, right. And and th- there's there are some uh, logistical reasons why we don't. But for, for the most part, uh, uh, most of our reagents are available in larger sizes, pints, quarts, and gallons. There are some restrictions uh, as far as, as, like, you can't ship a gallon of this, but you can ship four quarts and, you know, the other stuff that nobody really cares about. But the reason that we don't make uh, the reagents number one and two, and actually number three, in bottles larger than two ounces is simply because of the number two reagent. Remember uh, that I talked about? Uh, reagents in a brown bottle being a natural oxidizer, well, that's what number two is. And the fact is, is that if we if we sold it in a pint or a quart, the mere process of pouring it into that larger from that larger container into the smaller one exposes the reagent to air, heat, and light, and which will degrade it down quickly. So the, the logistically, your reagent's going to going to go bad faster, or has the potential of going bad faster. So we don't, it's not economical for us to manufacture it that way. It's not economical for consumers to buy it like that because they're 
going to get upset at us for, you know, the reagent went bad too fast because they, mm-hmm. they're doing what they're supposed to do. The, 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 the other hand of this is that, yes, we only make those in three quarter ounce bottles and two ounce bottles, but also remember that we sell them in, in what we call multi-packs. Uh, for example, we sell the two ounce bottles in a pack of 12 or the three quarter ounce bottles in a pack of 24 so that if a, if a retail store is doing lab testing or reselling our products, they can buy a, a, a larger case of individual bottles and we'll save them a, a little bit of money too in the long run. Uh, so that it makes that available. But anything larger than that, it's it's really not, at a manufacturing point of view, not really the best way to to sell that particular product. It's not really worth it for everybody okay. involved. Yeah, makes a lot of sense when you explain it that way. Yeah. Um, so the next question was, you know, we were talking about phosphates in the other podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you test for that correctly? What's the best way to test for the phosphates? Okay, the best way to test is to stick your finger in your mouth, wet it, and stick it in the water. No, I'm kidding. You laugh. <laughs> I've seen people do it. No, no. Uh, phosphate testing is pretty simple. Okay, uh, you're using a methodology that that uses something called stannous chloride, and stannous chloride, when you add it to a sample that has phosphate, produces a blue color. That then you compare that to a color chart. So it's a color matching test, um, and Depending upon um, uh, who makes the test, your ranges might vary. The, our particular test kit, the K1106, you have two color card ranges, one that goes from zero to 1,000, and then another one that goes from zero to 6,000 parts per billion. So uh, we added that extra card on there about a year and a half ago or so now because there were a lot of requests to be able to test higher than 1,000 without having to dilute, and that's exactly what this kit does. And it, it's pretty blatant color match, pretty easy to do, fairly simple. The kicker, though, with this particular test and with some of the other tests that we sell is that you have to wait a couple of minutes to let it digest. And, and what I mean by digest or digestion is that it takes that amount of time to the, for the reagents to react with, with the phosphate, in this case, in the sample to produce the right color. There's very few tests that we say, wait a minute. Or, or wait mm-hmm. two minutes. It's, it's phosphate and it's the metals testing for, say, copper and iron. We we tell people to wait a couple of minutes or wait five minutes, depending upon what it is you're testing, and then go ahead and match your colors. But all of the other ones are pretty much instantaneous. Okay. What was the kit number on that one again? Yeah, a K-1106. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's another one here. Um, mm-hmm. With the calcium test mm-hmm. and, the, and the purple dots that can sometimes right. form as you're uh-huh. dropping number 12 in. What is right. that, the purple dots? <laughs> purple dots are just saying, hi, nice to meet you. Floating around here, doing nothing. <laughs> no, no, what, what, what's happening? And you get this a lot with, with people where the source water is from a well, honestly. Um, because of the process of doing a calcium hardness test, you're adding a whole lot of buffer, that number 10 reagent in the beginning. And what that's doing is raising the pH of your sample so you would get the right normal red to blue color change. Well, we remember that the higher the pH, the more metals come out of solution, okay? So what you're seeing in those little dots is something called magnesium hydroxide, and that's what's forming. Uh, because remember, hard, total hardness consists of magnesium and calcium, so if there's a little bit of magnesium in that sample, it's not going inter- to in, in influence the calcium test, not at all. But what it's going to do is attach itself to the hydroxide, which is also there because of the high pH, and it forms those little purple dots. So okay. that if that does happen, you have to kind of look beyond the dots uh, and look for the overall 
color development. Okay. Now, there's that situation. However, if you do your calcium hardness test and the entire sample goes like a grape purple, grape Kool-Aid purple, that's a classic interference by the presence of copper or iron in the water. And you have to, there's ways to get around that and remove that interference. It's in the book, it's in the kit, but basically you got to do a new, get a new sample. You add your number 12 reagent first, a few drops of that so that it hides the metal ions. Do the test, the rest of the test normally. Get your drop count, but add the number of drops of 12 you added in the beginning to your total drop count. And that takes care of that. So there's a difference between the little purple dots, which is fine, not, not a problem, as opposed to a full-blown color Mm-hmm. and no other color but gray purple yeah and that means there's metal in the waters of course and that's another problem yeah. too with that yeah, pool yeah. water exactly um, so here's one uh, this was an interesting one when counting drops on the alkalinity do you stop when you see the flash of red or the full color change meaning it stays red it stays red and instructions are really really clear okay. about this a, a flash of red as you're dropping and mixing is a normal reaction okay that means is, is that that the, the titrant, the, the sulfuric acid in this case that you're adding, is starting to react with everything and is starting to get to that permanent red color. Okay. If it flashes back, you're not there. You're not at the end point. Keep going until the full sample stays red. Okay. And I think that's critical with the testing of, of any kit that you're using with the Taylor kit. You have to test correctly with it. You can't. Um, otherwise, right. you get inaccurate readings, of course. So right. I think that was a valid question. If you're just learning and starting out with the kit, you have to right. kind of know when to stop. Exactly. Following, reading the instructions and following the instructions, I can't emphasize that enough uh, when I talk to people. Is that you know we write them for a reason, <laughs> not not only to be followed but to be read or, or yeah. reverse. You know, we write them because this is how the reaction works. This is how the test works. Doing shortcuts or, or, or workarounds. That doesn't work in chemistry. Uh, so you got to follow the instructions. I also get a lot of people that say, hey, can I use this particular reagent with the Taylor kit because it's cheaper? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Inter- reagents are not interchangeable between yeah. different test kit manufacturers. I figured for that. For a whole slew of reasons, and, but mostly it has to do with things like um, strength of the reagent, volume depth, sample size. Um, the diameter of the test cell. There's a lot of value, a lot of differences. And mm-hmm. in fact, and here's something neat, Taylor makes four different phenol red reagents for the pool and spa side of our life. They are not interchangeable between each other. Huh. Uh, we make one for our residential kits, which is reagent number 14. Then, of course, there's good old reagent number four that everybody knows about. And then there are two other ones. But a lot of times I get calls from people, well, I went into my local retail store and I asked for reagent number four, but they said, oh, well, here's 14. We don't have four. You can use that. No, you can't huh. <laughs> because you're not going to get the right color. You're not going to get the right answer. So, you know, even within the same manufacturer, you can't interchange reagents. Okay. And the next question was, um, the chlorine is super high. Will I still get an accurate reading if I put five plus drops of the uh, thiosulfate? Is that, did I pronounce it correctly? Thiosulfate. Thiosulfate. Uh, before the green dye, so as not to get the blue to yellow opposed to green to red? Yeah, essentially that's correct. Uh, five drops is probably a little bit too much, but four drops is probably good enough. Uh, normally the instructions for the alkalinity test, uh, if you're trying to correct the interference, um, and, and the, what the interference is exactly is that blue to yellow instead of the green to red, is, is after getting a new sample, instead of adding two drops like the instructions say, just double it to four. 
Okay. And that's usually good enough to go ahead and, and do the test. And in this case, it's it's not going to interfere um, uh, with, with the overall test itself. Now, uh, tied into that a little bit is pH testing. That's a little bit different because if you do a pH test and you get a purple color instead of what the normal coloration is on the comparator block, that's also a sign of a very high chlorine or bromine reading, usually greater than 15 parts per million. And there's a couple things that, that go on there. First of all, we, we do have an inhibitor in, in the phenol red reagent and pH indicator that compensates for levels up to about 10 or so uh, parts per million of chlorine to bromine. Uh, if it goes purple, number one is I got a reading that's a chlorine reading or bromine reading that's really high and got to deal with that. Number two is how do I correct the interference? Well, you, you get a new sample, okay? And before you do anything else, you're going to add one drop only of that thiosulfate reagent. That's reagent number seven. One drop, mix it, it'll stay clear. Then you do your test normally and match a color. Um, the reason I kind of emphasize the one drop only is that the pH of thiosulfate of that reagent number seven is 9.6. One drop is okay in that sample size, but when you add more than one drop, you're actually changing the pH of the sample. And you're going to get a false high reading. So one drop is all it really takes when, okay. when you're trying to crane and make that change. So, of course, you want to do the chlorine reading before you do your alkalinity pH. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the key, too. Do the test and do the test in order in mm -hmm. order to know what's going on. Because I know a lot of mm -hmm. guys may do them out of order. Um, mm -hmm. You always want to do the chlorine first. Yeah, and then, yeah, and 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 and, and it, there really is no set rule. There's no mm -hmm. like testing police that come around if, yeah. <laughs> and yell at you or <laughs> wag their finger. Uh, God, I wish there were sometimes, but uh, no, yeah, but but doing the the sanitizer test first will give you an indication of what the rest of the tests are going to be reacting to, particularly if it's a high sanitizer reading. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's a good idea to do it. But, you know, as far as there are specific exact order you got to do things in, no, not really. The, the more important thing is that you're doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, but yeah, doing the chlorine test is a good technique to do first so that you're aware of what might be happening down the road. Got it. Yeah. So th the last question here is, is there a way to dilute super high pH test so that um, you can get a, acid a good acid demand reading? No, no. no. Uh, you, you cannot do a dilution on a pH test because of the the way it's tested and the way it's measured. pH is, is more of a, a numerical logarithmic kind of measurement um, and not like a, a, a acid-based titration that you would see, say, in an alkalinity test, those kind of things. It's different. You can't test a super high pH. That's why, uh, for example, if, if you do that pH test and you get that purple color, you cannot simply say, oh, my pH is greater than 8. Mm -hmm. No, it's probably not <laughs> because you've got that interference that, that could be caused by the high sanitizer reading. What I usually tell people is that if you get a weird color on your pH test that doesn't quite belong there, but you know all of the other readings are perfectly valid, the only way that you're going to get a, a, a better, a more accurate reading is to go electronic, is to get a mm -hmm. hold of a pH meter. Okay. And that, that way you'll be able to, to, to get that. But yeah, you can't, you know, get a purple color and start doing an acid demand test because the purple color uh, is high sanitizer and the acid demand has nothing to do with the high sanitizer. So it doesn't, it. it doesn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. So in, in a saltwater pool, this is probably very common where the mm -hmm. salt cell is producing a very high amount of chlorine. Yep. And then you do the pH test. You think that the pH is super high, but it's just interference in that case. 
Correct. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but remember also in, in use in salt generator pools, pH does go up. Yeah. So it could indeed be very high. <laughs> yeah. So, That's the confusing uh, part, because I know that most yeah. of the salt pools on my route, the pH is always over eight. Yeah. 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 So you're all always adding acid. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pain, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so. sorry. <laughs> it's chemistry. Blame chemistry. Not yeah. <laughs> so well, I really appreciate your time on these podcasts. And sure. I think the information is definitely golden. And, and I really like the fact that um, when people call Taylor, they get a hold of you and you answer your emails. And all the things you do is, is just great for the industry. And it helps the guys um, tremendously that are starting out and all those that have been doing it a long time that run into problems. Mm-hmm. I think um, as far as companies go, Taylor is probably the most responsive. I've called several times on different occasions and always answer the phone and they <laughs> always pass me through to someone who I can talk to. So um, you're actually a real company that actually answers their phone, which is a rare thing in the industry. Thank you. Thank you. And if you're interested in the webinars that Wayne gives, here's the information on how to get in contact with Wayne to find out more about the webinars. I give a series of eight webinars um, every Tuesday from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock East Coast time. Uh, and it's sponsored through a group called GoToWebinar, GoToWebinar.com. And if anybody's interested in it, the easiest way to do it is actually to email me. And then I can send them the links that they need to have and go to and use in order to register for the individual webinars. And my email address is very easy. It's Wayne, W-A-Y-N-E, at taylortechnologies.com. And that's no spaces or dashes or dots or anything, and it's plural for technology. So Wayne at taylortechnologies.com. And you send me that email, and then I'll send you back the link for, for all the webinars. And um, that's the easiest way to do it. And the good thing about it is, the really cool thing is that there are four core webinars involved in those eight. And if you attend the four core webinars, you get this really pretty nice certificate of completion from Taylor and from me, signed by me, signed by our, our CEO. And it's kind of neat and suitable for framing, one of those kind of deals. But, it, but, but it's really neat. And, and, and a lot of people like that. I, like I said, I've been doing it for, for a long time, and I probably have given out well over 1,000 certificates wow. over the years. Uh, yeah, the people really do like those webinars because they're short. They're, mm-hmm. they're anywhere from 30 minutes to 40 minutes. Uh, I break it down in, in specific inform, um, uh, specific topics like sanitation, oxidation, testing techniques, water balance, hot water chemistry, things like that. So, um, yeah, I, getting the information to somebody who's interested, really easy. Just go ahead and pop me an email over at Taylor. I'm also um, – we have an 800 line that goes into the company. It's one 800 837 8548, which spells out 1-800-TEST-KIT. Cute, huh? (laughs) And uh, that goes right into our customer service department. And you can ask to speak with Wayne and and the the ladies over there will transfer whomever calls straight up to me. And you'll you'll talk to me and not a robot. If you're looking for more pool care resources, definitely check out my website, swimmingprolearning.com. I have a lot of helpful web pages located there. And if you're doing service for a living, definitely check out the coaching site that I run. There's a lot of great benefits for joining the coaching program, and you can learn more about that at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick. If you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at 
getSkimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getSkimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.